Hey everyone, welcome back to Sin Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in 1 John chapter 2. It reads, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might be complained that they are all not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge." I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it is taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. As we continue today and here in 1 John chapter 2, I'd like for us to focus in on what I kind of view as a pinnacle issue for our students and for just people in general as we think about what John is addressing here in this chapter. We see that here in the middle of the chapter in verses 15 through 17. It says there, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. 
When we look at this passage, we see a specific way that John is using the word world for us to understand. When we think about this use of the word world, what we're really talking about is the world systems. It's the different items that the world is stressing, the different agendas that the world is pushing, the different pathways that the world is trying to put people on, and the places that the world is desiring to put the emphasis and the importance that it has. When we think about the world in this way, it's setting itself up against the world as God has designed it. When the world has the ability to set the importance of these items, generally it does so at the expense of what God's plan is. In setting that up, it puts items, people, agendas, desires, all of those different things into an arbitrary category for which it decides what the pinnacle is and tells everyone else to pursue that. When we allow that to go unchecked, what happens is we turn from following God, and if we desire to follow the world, we most of the time do the exact opposite thing that God is telling us to do by following the world and its systems. So when we look at this, verse 16 tells us the threefold nature of the desires of the world. It deals with the desires of the flesh, carnal cravings, sinful desires, the desires of our eyes, things like jealousy, envy, and the pride of life, desiring to build ourselves up better than others. At the root of what we see in the world system, we see pursuit of those three areas. These are not from God, but are the world pushing its agenda upon us. And if we love those things, then we do not love God, because the pursuit of our life is leading us away from God rather than to Him. And so as we contemplate that, we must understand that we only have so many items that we can love. We only have so many pursuits that we can actually genuinely place in our life. If we fill these places up with the pursuits that the world is telling us we should, what we're really doing is making it impossible for us to genuinely pursue God because the direction of our life is in the opposite direction of where God is. And so it's a fitting thing for us to think about as we seek to anchor our faith. John writes to give us assurance of our faith. We must ask the question, is the pursuit of our life to love the world system or is it to love God? Now, remember when we walked through this in ASM, we said this is not the same way that we talk about God so loving the world in John 3.16. That's speaking of the created order of the world, the creation, all of the elements of it, not this world system that has set itself up against God. So it's important to have that distinction. God still loves the world. And he tells us we should love the world in the sense of loving the creation that he has given us and taking care and being wise stewards of the different places that he calls us to exercise our dominion and our authority. But here he's telling us we do not love the world system because loving the world system keeps us from pursuing God. So is that true in your life? Do you not love the world system? Because that allows you to then love God, and by loving God, you are able to demonstrate a life that is patterned after God's will that allows you to receive the assurance of faith that John writes about. As far as a question from this passage, one of the things that I want to answer comes in this middle section. Most Bibles have it set apart into a poetic different type of text or different style. 
How is it that the translators knew that this is something different that we're supposed to write in a different form rather than keeping in the same way that we have? I want to answer that question today because I believe it's beneficial for us to understand here as well as other places in the scriptures. When we look at this text, we see in both the Greek original translation as well as in our translations that you can have a certain meter, a cadence, and a repetition that takes place with the writings. We see here in the English, verse 12 says, I am writing to you. Verse 13 says, I am writing to you twice. I write to you once, which then is picked up in verse 14. I write to you two times before he wraps up this section. We see this repetition forming a grammatical structure as well as the rhythms in the amounts of the syllables and things like that that help us to see that it is probably a poetic way of writing. It's important for us to remember the use of poetry was often there to allow people to remember the importance of what is being said. These oral traditions and oral societies who were usually lacking the written words and the way in which the individuals would best remember in a society that was largely illiterate was through the repetition of these things in poems or songs or other forms. And so John writes about the importance of remembering the foundational elements of the gospel that will allow these individuals to continue to grow in their faith. And so the writers who have recognized that want the readers to see it in that way too, for them to pull it out, for them to put it into this form so that it's not read as this common prose in the letter, but instead is set apart for aiding the reader and the hearer's understanding of what's taking place. And so we see that in other places in the scripture, other places where they identify it as a poem, sometimes as an ancient hymn or other structure that is being used or drawn into allow these individuals to better remember what is being written. And so it's important for us to understand that because as we look at these passages that use poetic language, we need to understand the poetry that's there and to see and understand the passage according to the principles of poetic language rather than using our traditional understanding of what we would do walking through the normal New Testament letters. So hopefully that aids you as you look at this passage and as you look at your scriptures, if they've set it apart in this way, that is the reason why, and it gives us a understanding of how we should be reading and interpreting that passage. Whatever the question is that you have in this passage, pray that you would dig into the scriptures, find an answer for that question so that you consistently demonstrate your ability to grow in your understanding of God's word and your desire to follow through on those commitments. As you pursue that today, know you are loved. You're-